Thanks for joining us for season eight of the Hospitality Hangout. I emphasize eight, a hospitality-focused podcast where the founders of Brand Strategic share their insights and bring technology and innovation leaders that are making things happen in the industry we love. My name is Jimmy Frischling, otherwise known as the finance guy. I'd like to introduce my partner, Mr. Michael Schatzberg, also known as the restaurant guy. And thanks for that introduction, Jimmy. And to all those listening, feel free to call me Shatsy. Together, we are the personalities behind Branded Strategic Hospitality. We work at the intersection of hospitality, technology, innovation, capital, robotics, emerging brands, hotels, stadiums, and airports, Jimmy. And everything. Gonna, I, I saw it in your eyes. You were going to add a we, few things. <laughs> we work at the intersection of everything, food and beverage and hospitality, connecting, Jimmy. Jimmy, I got to tell you, no joke, we got a great show. And I got to tell you something. Last night, Jimmy, you know, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep a wink. And do you know why? I, I do not know why. I had something on my mind that I was thinking all night long. I'm tumbling. I'm tossing. I can't sleep. The White Lotus. I love the White Lotus. I know you do. Great show. Great show. But that's not what I was thinking okay. about. I thought about the crown. I finished that. But I was thinking about this marketplace, Jimmy. Jimmy, do you know the marketplace? Boom. 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 B-O-O-M. Boom.store. Jimmy, this is a marketplace. It is an e-commerce site you go to. Just go. Boom.store, right? It will give you a solution, a technology solution for every problem you have in the hospitality space. Boom has an answer. Boom, Boom. has an answer. Boom has over 450 companies now listed. I hear Google is jealous of Boom. That's right here. Boom I, has all the answers. I got to tell you something. I would not be surprised. But <laughs> Boom.store, I am so proud, so happy to today announce the official launching of Boom.store. Is that today? Official? It is officially right now. It is breaking news here on the podcast. Not only do we have the most incredible guest I think the podcast has ever had in its long, uh, was it eight-year history? Eight-year well, eight, history? Eight seasons. We were eight casting before history. casting was even cool. Yeah, eight seasons. Eight seasons. Yeah, Boom.store. Check it out. If you're an operator, you got to go because every solution you need is there. And by the way, if you have a solution for hospitality technology, you got to be on Boom. By the way, Jim, you know what it costs to be on Boom? Sounds very expensive. You think, right? Free. Free. Mm -hmm. Free. Mm -hmm. Like nothing? No, you know, you're the finance guy. I said, Jimmy, what do we charge? You said nothing. How do we make money? Volume, volume. Jimmy. Volume. Jimmy, we, we make, make it up, up in volume. volume. We have so many people on there that somehow, some way, money flows through. Well, I don't know, even this know. is the official launch, the official launch of Boom, mm -hmm. that I hope this is the last time I will say that segment was sponsored by our friends at Chico's. Chico's Bail Bonds. I hope we can retire Chico's Bail Bonds. We got to retire Chico's Chico. now. And Jimmy, by the way, I hate to just sound like a peddler out there, but honestly, anybody who wants to advertise <laughs> on Boom.store, the floodgates are open. Well, just contact me. Yeah, I was just telling the, the folks at the Bad News Bears, I'm officially retiring Chico's Bail Bonds. You can stop sending me those cease and desist letters. I will not use Chico's. All right, let's get I, into it, Jimmy. I, Enough I, banter. We've got guests here, and I got to tell you, they're looking at their watches. Yes, that's not a good sign. They're also wondering who the hell booked And why am this? I here? Why am I here? All right, we are very excited for today's episode. Why am I so excited? We don't just have one guest. We have two guests, and we're not just recording. We're recording in person in our New York podcast studio at B Works. We are we are live Boom, right now, baby. Boom, with our guests. So let's let's get into it. Joining us today, this is our first dynamic duo: the man and the woman behind Blue Stone Lane, founder and CEO Nicholas Stone, and COO and Chief People Officer Amy Holmes. 
Bluestone Lane launched in 2013. It has rapidly grown to over 65 locations across the country, including one very close to our office. Thank you I've very been much. To, I've been to literally, Jimmy, 60 locations. 60 locations? 60 locations. You're a fan. Big fan. Big fan. Big fan. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled you're a fan. How excited are you to have, us, to, have, to have these guys with us today? I love it. I love having that. We're at B-Works. It's live. It's fantastic. This is going to be one of the best episodes right. ever. So, look, before we get started, um, as all of our uh, our listeners know, that in Season 8, we launched a new segment called Trivia Tuesday. All you Taco Tuesday people, stop sending the hate mail. We're not biting on tacos. It's Trivia Tuesday. Um, here we go. Uh, we, we begin each podcast as we release them on Tuesdays. We introduce Tuesday Trivia uh, trivia Tuesday. Each week we share fun trivia questions about our guests, but here's the catch. You have to wait till the end of the episode to find out the answer. Since we have two guests, we have two questions. Questions today are true or false. Nick was a professional AFL football player. What the heck's Nick the AFL, Jimmy? Professional AFL football player. What's the I have AFL? to tell you, there's, this is a tall drink of water we have in the room with Nick here. So I have to tell you. Okay, you don't know we, what the AFL is, do you? I know what the AFL no, is. What is it? No, no, the AFL. And now for no Amy, idea. true or false, Amy was once Applebee's golden apple mascot and dressed up as a golden apple. No, I think I saw her on that. I think I saw her on Instagram. I think it's on Instagram? I think I saw her. All right, so don't give it away. Don't oh, give it away. Oh, I, don't, I don't remember don't anything. Know. Wow, that is we crazy. We don't know those two false. random oh, things. They could both be false, yeah. which would, by the way, would really make the storytelling at the end of the episode perfunctory right, uh, by every means. Okay. You're talking too much, Jimmy. All right, let's get into it. Nick, we're going to have you take the lead. Uh, please give us a little background about yourself and, of course, introduce our audience to Bluestone Lane. Wait till you hear this accent, people. Oh, wait for it. <laughs> Jimmy, Shotzi, thanks for having me on. Uh, yes, you can smooth, tell from... Like, smooth like silk. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, Austra- the Australian accent's never been described as smooth like silk. Shotzi. It's described never as... Uh, you know, a bit of a mongrel, honestly. But, um, you know, Bluestone Lane is inspired from my hometown, um, from Melbourne, Australia. You might be familiar with Melbourne, the host of the Australian Open Tennis or the F1 Grand Prix or what oh, have you, yeah. 56 Olympics. Um, and essentially... 56 I'm, Olympics, that's what comes to mind for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and it, great games, great games. It was a great game. And then essentially uh, moved to New York in 20. 10 actually and couldn't believe how different the coffee culture was i was actually enamored by the success of starbucks where in australia starbucks failed so um bluestone lane is essentially a a premium australian inspired premium coffee and cafe brand we focus on sort of three elements and when we get them right we're sort of best in class and in our own lane it's service-led absolutely hospitality first human connection uh, focus second is premium coffee uh, espresso primarily and then third is really healthy food uh, made to order food and you know we're we're in a little bit of our own lane given that a lot of premium coffee shops is that bluestone lane is that the idea behind bluestone no, lane no that's just but that's a oh, convenient connection actually i thought that was nice of me it is very, that's very, they're very nice lane, bluestone lane oh, such a valuable contribution i'm really surprised it came from killing it today <laughs> i'm sorry keep going keep going and you know not many great coffee Shops or what I call specialty coffee shops focus on food. Um, you get a, lots of places where you have great breakfast and lunch, but the coffee's pretty ordinary. And then, but to be service led and hospitality focused, which is the most critical thing, because in Australia, 
without the big chains where there's no Starbucks, there's no Dunkin', there's no Pete's, there's no Costa Coffee, there's no Tim Hortons, really the largest chain is McCafe. Do you know where McCafe originated from? Australia, so, Melbourne. You're exactly right, Shotzi. You've been listening to that. 1956, I saw I was there. <laughs> Beautiful coffee. <laughs> and um, Anyway, McCafe originated in Melbourne and it's, it looks very different from McCafe that you'd see in New York City. It's, um, it's elevated. It's autonomous within the McDonald's. It hasn't had the same uniform, different music, all this sort of stuff. But essentially, um, you know, what we wanted to do is certainly lead with service because in Australia, premium coffee, especially coffee, is found everywhere. It's not a differentiator where it, it might be in the States. So for us, like that is the most critical thing, bringing people together, driving community and feeling like a local, not a customer. And it was created out of self-necessity more than anything. And uh, yeah, here we are. I love it. Later. I love it. And listen, before we take a deeper dive into Bluestone, and we got to get to Amy too, let me just get back to you, Nick. How do you give me a little background on how you got into this business? I mean, looking at my notes here, I mean, is it true that you were actually an investment banker like Jimmy? You were a finance guy? How does a finance guy, I know what Jimmy started as a bartender and then he went from bartending to finance and never looked back. How did you go from finance into the restaurant business? Yeah, it's an interesting- You lost a bet. No, <laughs> that's 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 right. Right. no, 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 no. You'll never no, do it. No, no, I will, no, no, I bet you. No, I will. It's a very interesting question. One that I ask myself quite frequently. Still asking actually. himself, 65 uh, stores later. And certainly during COVID, um, my father was, uh, his words, I was right, Nick, you, you should have stayed, stuck with banking. But, I knew uh, there was going to be a pandemic. Yeah, um, <laughs> I knew I'd be right eventually. Yeah. Uh, no, I, listen, I created out of self-necessity. The first Bluestone was in Midtown East. I worked at 270 Park Avenue in JP Morgan Building. And yeah. I just thought I needed... And what we used to do in banking is have two, we'd leave the office twice. We'd start in the morning all together and then we'd go in the afternoon because we never knew what time we'd go home at night. So it was that daily ritual that was really important to us in Australia and I try, and I wanted the same thing here and I just couldn't find a place where I'd walk in and feel like a local where they knew my name, face and order. So it all sort of originated from that and I was, I was, I was certainly inspired by the opportunity to scale something and to translate something that I'm really proud of, the Australian sort of coffee culture, which is quite renowned. And, um, and you know, essentially started with one, then... So wait, you started while you were a banker? Yeah, yeah. So um, in fact, we... <laughs> he, he couldn't find a place to get to those out-of-office experiences, which, which I got to tell you, when you get to leave the office twice a day, you want that coffee, you want that experience. He's like, I can't find it, I'm going to make it. Look at that, bam, boom. That is awesome. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And in fact, I didn't leave finance until we had 12 locations. So I was certainly hedging, hedging, hedging my hedging. bets. And and I actually think that that's something I, I highly recommend to a lot of entrepreneurs is if you, you don't have to go all in, it, it, going all in has a whole nother degree of externalities and challenges. It's not just simply, well, I'm going to close this off and go and the amount of pressure you put on yourself when you join a new business which doesn't have cash flow, they can't pay you, then there's a lot of other personal pressure that comes with it. So with myself, I felt it was the sort of right time around 12 and honestly my boss in banking said like, Nick, we've got to make a decision here. Like what are you going to do? You've got to jump out or jump in. And I took a year sabbatical in mid-2016 and then I was meant to go back in August 17 and and uh, went you know full-time and stayed on and it's been a 
been a wild ride since. I, I love it. I love it. All right, let's change gears real quick. That's how Nick got started, okay? Finance guy into restaurants. Let's change gears and let's talk to Amy. Okay. Anyone who knows Amy, and I got to know Amy um, uh, at dinner a few months ago, actually, uh, at a trade show. I don't even remember what conference we're at, but we had a great dinner with a great crew of people. I mean, you've worked at incredible brands. You work at California Pizza Kitchen, Wolfgang Puck, Red Robin, Sweetgreen. How did your professional journey begin, and how did you end up at Bluestone Lane, and when are you leaving? I'm just kidding. Amy, this is, uh, <laughs> this is, this is Shatsy's Fraser Crane moment. Yeah, he's listening. $150 an hour. Go. <laughs> Which is cheap. That is cheap. Well, I got to give a shout out to Karen Stutz because uh, she started where I started at McDonald's. Right. I yeah. know. I know. Um, and so she started I, out like like making burgers, I think. I think uh, you said she cashier. started out cashier. creating cashier. the McMuffin and the Nugget, yeah. right? She created she invented the McMuffin. The McMuffin. Yeah, I'm she, pretty yes, sure she we, they, the they wanted to call it the McCarran and they, <laughs> they went with for that. Yes, I did. And give her she credit. wanted a car. So she wanted to get a car. She wanted yeah, a car. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I've been very blessed to work for some great brands. And, you know, I met Nick on Easter last year and, um, I thought, man, I need to learn the Australian language. So I thought that I should start here. Awesome, right? Yeah, yeah. And you uh, sound a little Australian now. I'm working on it. Yeah, I'm it's, working it's on working. it. Growing up from St. Louis to going to Australia is, is much. It's I love a big, it. Big journey. Um, but listen, it's Bluestone Lane's a sexy brand. When it you is. walk around New York and you get a cu- cup of coffee and you got a Bluestone, like you're somebody. So, uh, and I hadn't done coffee before or or these cafes. So, right. um, love it. You walk in. It's all about hospitality. Um, but you know, it's, it's been a good partnership with Nick, so I've enjoyed it, but yeah, going from McDonald's to the big food journey, like, you know, bartending, it's, uh, I was, I was working at McDonald's and candy striping at the same time. So it's been super fun. Wow. Yeah. McDonald's candy striping. Those uniforms have a lot in common. A hundred percent. Okay. Listen, I, I think Nick, um, kind of set the table. Um, but let me just reiterate for any listener who's thinking that Bluestone, uh, it's just another coffee shop. Think again, my friends. What separates Bluestone, and Amy has said it, Nick has said it already on the show, is it, it, the lead. They lead with hospitality and their ability to connect with their locals. I'm using the word local with a lot of intentionality and purpose. Um, Bluestone doesn't have guests; they have locals. Um, we've seen and experienced and laughed over Starbucks misspelling of names and the memes that of how names get butchered um, when your coffee is ready. You know, my name, Jimmy. How, how hard does it get Jimmy? Jimmy. They put the syllabus on the wrong um, on the wrong emphasis. Um, but at, at I don't Bluestone, even know what Jimmy just said. I have no idea. Syllabus and syllabus on the syllable emphasis syllabus. When you put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllabus. Who is anyway, Jimmy? Um, but you don't have that problem over Bluestone. In fact it's the opposite. You can count on your local barista, not just to know your name, but to recognize you when you walk in the door. Nick, can you tell us, because this doesn't happen accidentally. What can you tell us about this philosophy? Well, it's a, it's a great point, Jimmy, and it's exactly why Bluestone was created. You know, I wasn't, I didn't have this deep need to um, learn how to be a barista or to make, make coffee. In fact, like I only started drinking coffee when I was about 26 so I didn't come from this background where I was, had any idea about how to make coffee or an affinity with it. What I really missed was walking into a place where you feel special, and I could see that on I could see that in New York City. People had that feeling of 
that importance or that that you were the most important person when you would go to a bar and the bartender would know you like or norm. you norm norm exactly i would see it actually you know where you know where i saw it most pronounced in like laundry mats and dry cleaners so you know i lived in west village and in my street alone we had three and everyone would advocate for their place. No, I get my shirts from that place. I never let them, that place, I will never give them my shirts. And and Anne or Jimmy or Sally knows me and they look after my laundry more than yours, Jimmy. There you go. And that advocacy and that um, that focus on being having a true reciprocal relationship and feeling special, that was what was missing in coffee because let's be honest, like Starbucks is not known for being hospitality first. Duncan's certainly not. It's about product and they're incredibly successful. I would say speed, speed and product. I speed think. and product, yeah. exactly. Convenience. And the convenience. Yeah. So, you know, for me, it was just much more aligned within Australia. So if you walk into a coffee shop and if someone doesn't acknowledge you within the first two seconds, your immediate assumption is that they're rude, they're impersonal, that they're they don't care about you. The standard on the on being a good person, being a good mate is so high and elevated and that's what I thought that was missing here and I just wanted to walk in and, and genuinely be be recognised and feel like I'm, I'm part of the community, not just someone that's being shoveled a product that's, that's not made with any sort of personalisation. No. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Listen, sticking on hospitality, importance of hospitality, since this is the hospitality hangout, yeah, let's, let, let's talk to Amy a little bit because to have great hospitality, I think you need great people. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can have the most beautiful store, the, most, the greatest product, great technology, but you have to have great people. You are the chief people officer. So you are in charge with really instilling the values of hospitality it, with with the entire team over Bluestone Lane. So ha, talk to me a little bit about the training uh, of your employees and can you share a little bit about your famous heart checks? Absolutely. So um, we are all about putting our locals first, but I think it's very fundamental in our industry to make sure that our teammates, our team members are first. So we take care of them first, uh, make sure that especially during COVID and what's been going on, their mental health is great. And one of the ways we do that is through heart check. So I know that um, I've left this market a couple of different companies. They still continue to do it, but it's just, you know, like Shotzi, do how are you feeling your today? Name? Are they using heart check? No, but I should have licensed it. Because that's like trademark. That should be I should have licensed it. It be heart check by Amy. So let's, let's do one. All right, Jimmy, on a scale from one to five, five being great. How are you feeling today? Like, how do you love your job? What's going on in your life? How are you feeling? Man, I wish you would ask me yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I was so happy yesterday. But you know what? I will tell you this. Um, and this goes back to where you know, Nick's background as a banker, my background as a banker. As a banker. I really do love my job every day. Mm-hmm. I, I feel this is a cerebral sport that I feel fortunate to play every day. I get to go play because I love this asset class of the people. It's the it. people he works with he doesn't like. So, <laughs> so no, just the guy sitting next to me. So <laughs> right now, no. so right now I have a solid four plus. I love um, that. that. Because again, every day I get up and I get to come play this cerebral sport. Yeah. Yeah. So we just, we ask the team that we see how they're doing. If I'm a five. S- thanks for asking. I wasn't worried about you, okay. but if you do like a, if you're like a two or a three and we're in a, you know, larger setting, I'll hang up the phone and call you and check on you and say, tell me what's going on. And maybe something happened to them personally. And maybe they just need to talk to somebody about work. And, and I think it's a retention tool for, um, for the team, but you know, it, it keeps us close. So uh, yeah, we do a lot of heart checks and, um, you know, how many listen, employees you got over there at, at, at Hillstone these days? 
Gosh, how many do we have now? Don't give me to the number, but uh, about. 900. 900? I thought we were at 1,000. 1,000 employees at Bluestone Lane. That is breaking news. You've heard it here first on the Hangout. Thank you for breaking that news, Amy. I I want to just let uh, kind of expand on Amy's comment um, because I think about, you know, you you open up a restaurant, you open up a store, a coffee shop, a cafe, yada, yada, yada. You, You have the designer and the real estate. You spend all this money and you're doing everything you can to do it right. And the experience your guest or your local is going to have is with that employee. Yeah, 100%. Criticality. We call them teammates in Australia. Teammates. 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 So to me, that relationship, and I think Danny (laughs) Meyer does as good a job as anyone articulating the importance of engaging with your teammates Mm -hmm. because they're the ones who represent your brand to your locals. If they're happy, the locals are happy. So that's where it comes from. I think we all know. All right. (laughs) I want to dive a little bit deeper into Bluestone's business model and how it translates into the life cycle of your customers or your locals. Uh, You have two models. Um, You have the coffee shops and you have the cafes. Um, And his wife. Two, uh, two model. What? Yeah. Okay. Uh, his, his wife's a model. Okay. Then you have three models. I don't know that for sure. I just figured you were saying. Okay. She, is, she is, but she's more beautiful inside, I have to say. Okay. I love yeah, Zan. Coffee shops, you have the cafes. And beautiful Shazzy's, inside and out. Look at this guy. Of course Shazzy, he has a model Shazzy's wife. Shazzy's taking, <laughs> taking us down an uncharted path. Um, okay. Ideally. It's like therapy shots. Yeah, I like it. Uh, ideally, you capture a new local that grabs coffee at your local coffee shop. And on the way to work in the morning, or they need that afternoon pick-me-up uh, to get through the midday you know, hump, eventually that individual may move to the suburbs, start a family of their own. And while they still stop by for their weekday coffee, now their weekend routines involve a family visit for breakfast or lunch at one of your cafes. So my question is, was this the strategy from the start, um, or did your brand naturally evolve as your locals evolved? Um, and do you expect your customer base to continue to evolve? So there's a lot to unpack there. Oh, it's very well researched, Jimmy, because you, you've you've sort of answered your own question to a degree. He does that a lot. He does that a lot. I do that a lot. So um, no, you, listen, you're spot on. the 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 plan was a was always about having this hub and spoke model, where a hub would be a cafe, which is a more broader, uh, imaginatory, sort of larger scale format, which is more orientated around being a destination where people would come with others. 90% of our transactions that are dining at cafes are two or more people. It's a place where we facilitate that connection and lead with a bigger sort of hospitality program. But the, and then the spokes are the coffee shops, which are more orientated around speed and convenience, but still not sacrificing on that recognition piece. And when we started the business, we started with two coffee shops because I was looking for that daily escape twice a day from the office. The first one was on Midtown East in Manhattan. The second one was in the financial district next to the stock exchange. The third location we opened a year later after the first was in West Village and that was the first cafe. So that's the first hub. And really, they both just have different use cases. They're tied together with, without a doubt on the principles of hospitality, premium coffee and healthy food. Um, we're, both of them are anchored to coffee. Like we will never, we'll never sort of diverge the coffee focus, but they have very different key success factors. And that was something that took us a, a long period of time to actually work out because we were trying to tr- train everybody the same way and it doesn't really work. So for us, we focus on the key success factors and they're quite different for coffee shops. It's you know, speed, uh, recognition, quality product, and sort of cleanliness and having clean stores. And then 
with cafes, that broader extension, it's really, you know, spend through service, human connection, a premium broad product and beautiful spaces. And that's, uh, it gives us enormous white space. And that's something that's so encouraging is we can scale in these urban uh, centers and we can be an amenity in the bottom of an office building, but we can also be a cafe in a suburban area or um, urban residential area. And uh, that, you know, those dynamics have changed so dramatically because of COVID because obviously less people go in these office buildings where we're in the, we're in the bottom, but more people working from home. And now instead of just visiting Bluestone Cafe on a weekend, they're now coming Tuesday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So it's been, it's been a huge shift and something we're honestly still dealing with because of our real estate footprint. I like it a lot. And even though I answered my own question, your answer sounded a lot better than mine. That's the accent, Jimmy. If you had that Australian accent, everything you sound, everything you say would sound better. I, I also think the six foot something frame would help as well. It's so many things going on that Nick has better than you. Going on here. Listen, I can't believe it's taken us this long mm. to bring up our favorite topic, which is tech. Um, I think the beginning of the tech evolution, um, there was a misconception from restaurant employees that tech was going to take over their role, um, take over the role of the human. Um, but as both customers and our employees become more tech savvy, we're seeing a shift in how tech is finally being recognized as a tool to actually bring back the human connection. Can you share a bit more about the tech you're using at Bluestone and how it's helping your bottom line? So the, the technology for us was transformed during COVID. So we, at, at that stage, I'd say prior to COVID, prior to March 2020, 5% of transactions were digital. And from that point, uh, March 2020 to the end of 2021, 92% of all transactions were digital. So transformational change and one that now we're, we're still deeply uh, embedded with, we are running at about 60 to 65% of all transactions are digital. And our stack, it's a huge credit to the head of digital, Liam Farrow, um, who has worked tirelessly and in a really sort of innovative way where we've bridged uh, Olo, Brink, Par, which is our POS provider, you know, level up, loyalty engine, we use Byte Kiosk, we, we have a lot of tech now in the system, but we built proprietary sort of what I call the web, webbing that meshes the different platforms together where we have our own app. Well, in fact, when we launched the app and even now, it, it was the only solution that had order at the table, um, order ahead, uh, e-commerce and native delivery all through one platform uh, where all the data goes to one repository, goes through one single loyalty program, so we, you know, we're very, very excited by it. You know, we have 100 and 175, 200,000 active in our loyalty program. And, uh, you know, we see that as the crown jewel. So it's very, very hard to get on someone's, obviously, if you've got an iPhone, it's very hard to get an actual app and have people use it. Like most people, they're smaller, they would use a, a, a middleman. They're going to struggle to get those direct orders. But for us, because it's coffee and because you have that use and frequency, um, the Bluestone Lane app adoption has been huge. And for us, like we see it as a way where technology augments the service proposition. It doesn't substitute. And finding that balance is tricky because you've gone through COVID where digital was everything. And in many cases, in most of our markets, noting that during COVID, we did not have a single store outside what outside the coast or outside a, uh, a blue state, which was very, very conservative from a health perspective. 
maybe maybe uh, you know not prepared to take as much risk as some of the other states from a business perspective um and so it just meant that like we had to use digital it was embraced but now people are you know finding that balance between they love the engagement with you know our teammates and you know we're still navigating that transition but uh, technology will will all will continue to invest it's going to underpin everything that we we do but we won't do it where it substitutes the service model that is not the way forward, but loyalty will be everything. And I'm very pleased that in, we didn't waste the crisis from that perspective that we built out the program. So it's so robust now. I love it. I love it. And I got to tell you, you mentioned a couple of our partners, so it makes me even even feel better. Hey, l- listen, let me switch gears a little bit because Jimmy and Nick, you're talking too much and I got to get uh, Amy involved here. Um, you know, let's talk about coolness and the coolness factor. Uh, people walk around with certain brands, people shop at certain places because they want to feel cool. They want to look cool. Walking around the streets with a blue, blue stone lane coffee cup. That makes you feel a little cool. Can you talk a little bit about the coolness factor behind blue stone lane and why people feel cool walking around with the blue cup? It's a, I mean, look at blue stone lane, the brand in of itself, right? It's, it's, um, Best in class, for sure. And I immediately think of Nick's crazy accent. Yeah. You feel, feel like you're having a, a that, moment in Australia. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And but, people look at me like, he's cool. He's probably Australian. But it's the best coffee at, at the same. Like, it really is the best coffee. I think it's fantastic. So, and I got to, you mentioned something earlier. I just want to say, the food, it's like, it's not this whole microwavable thing. No, it's really like- our a, f- I, I honestly don't. I think everyone needs to try our food. The avocado smash, we put it on the map. We've won awards for it in New York. Um, we've won, we've also won awards for our beautiful spaces, you know, They're so gorgeous. there's, yeah. So, clean. but our food is bar, like the best that, that I've worked in for sure. It's just, um, they're it's clean amazing. and cool. They're just cool. Yeah. Jimmy, well, you I, can't go there cause you're not cool. You're not anybody unless you've been seen at one. Well, I will say the following, there's one right by our office and it is a beautiful store and it pops with brightness. Um, the white, the clean, um, and again, I, we, we've been treated to some wonderful avocado dishes. Uh, we, mine's got mine's got some prosciutto on top, some feta on top. Jimmy's dying to eat it. The poor I guy. Can't wait to eat it, but I got to finish guy. the episode first. You know, listen. Uh, so there is a coolness factor. Uh, a few weeks ago, we actually had a very good friend of yours on on the show, Karen Stutz from uh, well, Native Foods, but I mean, a host of uh, I mean, is a legend. Legend. She's a, a legend, legend in yeah. the industry for sure. We had a lot of laughs. Uh, we talked to Karen a lot about the importance of mentorship. And in that conversation, she gave a big shout out to you. And I know she's been a mentor of yours. I think you shared a, a few different uh, places that you work together. I know Red Robin for sure, right? Red uh, Robin. Red Robin. No. Uh, can no. you share a little bit about yes. the, what, what, tell me, tell me. No, no, no. Yeah, that's where I met her. Let's talk about the importance of mentorship and just how important it is to the industry. Um, we spoke to Karen a little about Gleam. Uh, an organization that she's involved in that we just think is fantastic. Uh, we'd also love to hear uh, more about your involvement with that program. Yeah. So, Karen. Um, yeah. I don't remember what Gleam stood for. She told she, me, but it was very cool. She. Uh, she's. Yeah. So Karen's bar none the best. One of the best in the industry. I think everybody in this industry to to really be successful has to have ambassadors, advocates, and mentors. Um, I don't think any of us can get anywhere on our own. So. Um, been very, very, very fortunate to have people like Karen Stutz, Denny Post, which is the reason why I'm at Bluestone Lane um, as an advocate. And so we started, one of the things that's missing in the industry is that the emerging leaders do not have access to people like 
like Nick or like Shotzi or like Jimmy. Um, so, and if they want to go to a conference, like I've met some of you at, they can't afford it. It's thousands of dollars. So what we decided to do over a glass of wine one night was to start a, co- a program called lead. Uh, and so it was for emerging leaders. It was pretty free. I think we charged $20. Um, I got a lot of people to donate spaces. Uh, and then we put together a little committee from all the different brands that I've worked at, um, along with Karen and, Therefore, we uh, started uh, having these conferences. We held our first one in LA, then we moved to to, uh, Denver, and we had really great speakers, and we had huge turnout. So clearly, there's a need in the industry for the emerging leaders. And listen, like we need to bring sexy back to our industry. It lost it uh, lost a little bit along the way during COVID, and so. Um, did a really great job with all of that. Had a lot of volunteers, and now it le- now it lives under Gleam, um, which you know now has a board, a lot more, a lot more. It's it's very much about mentorship, and it is accessible. So, big supporter, um, big shout out to Gleam and the team, and uh, of course the starters. It started it from lead. I like all that. I love it, Jimbo. Boy, it's not not every podcast I get to bring up Justin Timberlake, but if we're going to bring sexy back. <laughs> That I get to bring up Justin Timberlake. It's your podcast. You whatever you want. It's on my wife's list. Top five laminated. Justin Timberlake on the list. Really? Yep. Shocking, Jimmy. Brad Pitt's on the list. One of George Clooney's on the list. Clooney's on the list. What about Brad Pitt? Brad Pitt's on the list. I got to tell you, I see a trend here. Yes. Very yes. attractive, attractive, uh, attractive celebrities. Taller and fitter than I am. Who would, who yes. would know? Who would think that? Who would okay, think? While we, well, it turns out. How is she married to you? Yeah, you know, she's asleep at the wheel when that one happened. Okay. <laughs> By the way, it's good for me. I'm overachieving. I always want to overachieve. Who wants you to are overachieving. She's underachieving. I'm overachieving. All right. Turns out when we started this podcast, we liked talking to people. We liked asking some questions. But along the way, found out sometimes our guests, they have a question for us. So we created Talking Back. Uh, we give our guests a chance to ask us questions. As we like to say, nothing is off the table. Nick, Amy, the microphone is yours. Oh, boy. Oh boy. Well, I guess given that Jimmy and Shotzi, you're the you're the pros in this game and you've been around uh, it's not your first rodeo. I guess what I'm interested in is, dirt. <laughs> is uh, what's going to happen next year. You know, uh, we launched the business in 2013. We've had this really strong economic growth sort of uh, backdrop. We've had a lot of tailwinds and yes, obviously COVID was an existential shock, but then there was liquidity un, un- relenting an unprecedented amount of liquidity injected into the system and a lot of support. 2013, that liquidity is evaporating. It's coming out of the system. We just went to RFDC. It was certainly a lot different from the last time I went to RFDC, which was in 2019. Mm-hmm. What do you think is going to happen to the industry? Let's focus on on the major markets and how do you think hospitality businesses are going to uh, do, you know, how are they going to survive? How are they going to do well? Who do you think the winners are? And yeah, any any sort of comments around that? It's a big open question. Fantastic question. It's a great question. Shot, you want to take the shot? Do you want me to jump in? I mean, I'll, I'll take the first shot, Jim. I always and do, and then, then you follow up answer. with a much better yeah. answer. You know, <laughs> I, I got to tell you something. Certainly, there's a lot of headwinds out there, without a doubt. Um, and I don't have to go through them all, but there's certainly a lot of headwinds out there. However, I will say, As my dad always said, there's always plenty of business to be had no matter what's going on. Any time of uh, any economic environment, there's always a lot of business. And I will say everyone has to eat 
and they all have to drink. So I think there will be money shifted around. So people that were spending money at a uh, perhaps a super high end may now shift to a, 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 a lower tier. People that were spending at a lower tier may be going just a little bit lower in a in that kind of thing. So money will be shifted around, but I think the total addressable market for people eating and drinking isn't going to change. So plenty of business. I think good business models, good products are good. They stay good. And, uh, and I think that good operators, uh, watching their costs, watching their bottom line, making sure that they're doing all the right things, I think will, will fare out extremely well. Uh, over the the uh, Q1 and Q2 and and into the end of 23, it's it, there will be definite challenges. But again, good is good, and everyone needs to eat and drink. And so I think if there are struggling brands out there today, they will continue to struggle and may not make it. And the brands that are doing well today, I think, will continue to do well. Maybe a little bit less well, but they'll do fine. Jimbo, take that and put that into financial terms for me, please. Sure, I think that answer was was very nice. Yeah, not thrilling. But nice. It was yeah. nice. It was nice. It was nice. Very, it was safe. Safe. Very, very safe. safe. Very safe. <laughs> good is good. Here's, here's my expectation. At the end of 23, here's what we're going to be talking about. It just happened. We're going to talk about the consolidation that happened in the industry. We're going to talk about your, your banking DNA um, and my own is going to be put to the test because it is going to be a year of roll-ups of cap markets activity and specifically acquisitions. Um, I think on the technology side, there has been an explosion of tech. I still think we're in the early innings, um, but there is going to be a roll up and consolidation in the market um, because at the end of the day, operators don't want to have 12 or 20 or 30 tech vendors. They'd love to have a one one single technology do everything. That's not going to happen either. But the importance of bundling and integration and roll-ups is going to be uh, a very important. On the restaurant side, I think similarly, I think there are economies of scale of groups that will acquire brands and launch into verticals. Um, we're seeing that happening somewhat um, already, but we are going to see a proliferation of that, in, I think, in 23, where brands that have proven have a cult-like following, um, not unlike a bluestone, will become incredibly attractive. And I predict you and others will have a high quality decision to make or high quality problem of continuing to grow organically and, and build and, and, and build your own um, you know, um, expansion into the next phase, 100 units, 150 units, et cetera. Or you'll, if you haven't already, you'll receive um, unsolicited offers about Bluestone being part of a larger portfolio and benefiting from the economy of scale. But I think 23 will be a unique year of consolidation, M&A activity in cap markets. Uh, Jimmy, that was a great answer. Uh, could you repeat that, please? Because we didn't get that. Oh, uh, um, roll up. Uh, can, you, can you repeat that answer, not please? Not. I'm just kidding. Amy, you get you get a shot. Do you invest into real estate now or do you hold? Oh, is that for me directly? She looked right at you. Because you, you I got to tell you, I mean, from our, <laughs> our, from our sort of I mean, you know, investing in real estate in terms of uh, signing leases or, yep, yep. or, or signing leases in, right in now. for I can only speak about our business in, in New York City, our restaurant business. We are aggressively uh, signing leases. Mm -hmm. uh, we just opened uh, a new restaurant on 50th Street. We signed that lease during the pandemic. We just signed the third a third store. We opened during the pandemic. Yeah, third, third store. We just signed another lease. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, big store. Uh, so I think again, if you got a great balance sheet, if you got a good business model, if you're doing things right, I think there's great opportunities out there. So for us, we are investing in real estate, especially yeah, I, in New York City. I would add that um, I think land, the pandemic also um, 
was was a good learning experience for landlords as well. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, the ability to keep stores open was 100% correlated with the relationship between the operator and the landlord. And I'm not, I didn't stutter. That was said with intentionality, 100% correlated between what the landlord would do. Um, in terms of today, landlords don't just want to fill spaces now with those who can pay the rent or can, you know, fill out the, the right forms, maybe make a guarantee, a PG, a personal guarantee. They want the right operators I think more and more real estate developers are thinking the way of Related and Blackstone mm -hmm. and others that want the amenities mm -hmm. uh, on the ground floor that will create ex, you know, increase the value on the upper floors. So I think it, if you have a, again, good brands, good operators who work well with their landlords, mm -hmm. they're going to be desired and they will get better deals. So I actually think for us, we have some great operating partners. This has been a go long and open up new stores here in New York. We haven't seen these rent terms and these kind of revenue share deals in two decades. Great answer, Jimmy. Can you repeat that, please, for our listeners? <laughs> I, uh, all right, listen, I, we got we to jump because we got a lot of we got a lot to get to. And uh, Nick's looking at his watch. He's got to get out of here. Let's go to the food service <laughs> feud. OK, we asked over 100 trillion uh, people on LinkedIn, 100 trillion people on LinkedIn, 100 trillion, 100 trillion people. And uh, we asked them one question. Nick, we're going to go to you for the food service feud. You're going to play Jimmy in the food service feud. We're going to ask you one question. Use your imaginary buzzer. And I want you to answer this question. What did our 100 trillion LinkedIn followers say? Uh, this is coming off of the holiday season. What sandwich chain makes the best turkey sandwich? Don't all buzz in at once. Jimmy. Panera. No. You can steal it. Nick. Nick. Subway. No. <laughs> Nobody, nobody gets turkey sandwiches out there. All right, Jimmy, go again. <laughs> I'm going again. I'm going again. Buzz in. You got to buzz in. Jimmy. Jersey Mike's. Jersey Mike's is number one on the board. Oh, yes, Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy. Okay. Nice job. Jersey, All right. Mike's, Jersey Mike's was number one on the best turkey sandwich, best chain turkey sandwich. Uh, number two is Capriati's. Number uh, three, Capriati. Firestone oh. Subs. Oh. Um, and number Firestone four was our friend house. Robert Irvine over at Heroes Sub. Ooh, Robert Irvine. Yeah. So anyway, so there we go. That was the food... <laughs> Food service food. I can tell you two people who do not eat turkey sandwiches <laughs> out there in the market, Jimmy and Nick. Okay. Nick is eating uh, avocado sandwiches, uh, you know, uh, avocado toast, and Jimmy a sushi. Uh, right. So our next question will be, anyway, uh, we talked about trivia, trivia earlier, Jimmy. Let's get to the trivia question or trivia answer. Yes, yes, yes. We asked our guest uh, earlier in the episode, uh, it was true or false. Nick was a professional AFL football Still player. don't know what the AFL is. True or false. Amy was once Applebee's golden apple mascot and dressed up as a golden apple. Shatsy, care to guess? I'm going to have to say that I think that Nick, looking at him, uh, I say that I don't know what AFL is, but I see football and player. I say he was. You he was an incredible professional AFL football player. Yes, he was. You want to guess the L? You want to guess? The, um, I would say the uh, Australian Football League is what I'll guess. But I'm saying, is that like, is it soccer? I mean, like our soccer? Or is it like a rugby? Or is it like, is there a football I don't know? Well, you got the acronym right. It is the Australian Football League. But no, it's not soccer. It's not rugby. It is a indigenous game only played in Australia, but it's the most popular football code. So despite Australia having quite a small population and being pretty successful at sports. You know, we're playing tomorrow in the World Cup. Hopefully we can beat Denmark and make it through to the, the finals. But um, 
and we obviously play a lot of rugby. But no, it's it's a different game. One you'll have to look at, Chelsea. I'm going to look this up, and uh, I mean, I'm thinking maybe it'll catch on soon. Like real. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I think mean, it's going to When were you an in, AFL uh, professional player? Missouri, what year? Amy. You know, what year was this that you were an AFL player? Uh, so I played – so I got drafted when I was in my last year of high school in 1999. I was 17 and I played six seasons. So I was all done. And he made $10 a year. I did not make much money. That's one thing that's a so bit different. So true or false, the Australian Football League is coming to America. <laughs> Uh, false. Okay, there we go. <laughs> all right, all right. And uh, I'm going to get to Amy. Can I guess on Amy's now? Yeah, guess on Amy's. All right, wants an Applebee's golden apple mascot and dressed up as a golden apple. I got to tell you, I'm going to take, take a guess here, Jimmy. Take a Go for it. I got to tell you, I think Amy was the Applebee's golden apple mascot. Only Am I on, right? Only on date night. <laughs> I was wrong. She was not. Now, I have dressed up in the red Red Robin, red bird suit quite a few times for charity, which is a good little suit to be so in. You so you were Red Robin Bird. I was a Red oh, Robin that Bird. Was a, that one was false. Oh, I was a Red Robin Bird. Oh, they tricked red us. Robin I bird see. All the way. So it was red false. All about Red Robin. Yeah. All right. Listen, we got we got a last segment. All right, Jimmy. Last segment. We got the branded quickfire. This is honestly the greatest segment in all of podcast history. This is up there with Joe Rogan and his 50 billion listeners, the Brandon Quickfire. I am going to ask Amy and Nick, each of you, one question at a time. Please give me the first answer that comes to mind. Are you ready for the Brandon Quickfire uh, B-Works live edition? Let's do this. Game All right, on. Nick, you first. Favorite celebrity? I'm going to go with uh, Margot Robbie. What? Uh, Margot Robbie. What do you mean? Margot Robbie. On my laminated list. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I agree. All right, Amy. Favorite celebrity? 100% Dolly Parton. And everybody that knows me knows that. Na- 100%. A, a national treasure. She yeah. is a, She's a treasure. I agree. She I agree. Has Nikki, never disgusting. said a bad You're word disgusting. about anybody. Best yeah. businesswoman. She knows her. She national knows her treasure. Stuff. Nick wins that contest. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Nick, I'm so disappointed. Where are you getting dinner from tonight? We're actually, we're actually going to we uh, Dante tonight. Ooh. So Sounds in, fancy. In West Village. Sounds yes. hard, sounds like a hard they reservation to get to, dinner, to also. Did they? did they invite us to one of the restaurants? Well, I did invite I you to so. dinner, but you went to Dante's. a very <laughs> tough restaurant a reservation to get into. Hot ticket to get into. Yeah, it's a hot ticket. Nick knows everybody. Amy, where are you going? Oh, you're going together. I'm going to, yeah, we're, we're, we're going out as a team. Okay. What's your, uh, Nick, favorite food city in the world? I actually think, uh, I'm going long Australia here, but um, with Margot Dante, I, I do believe Melbourne is is an extraordinary food city, but for those who sort of haven't been there, you know, it's pretty hard to, to beat. Paris I've never been, but there's like six restaurants, I understand. <laughs> Um, yeah, we're <laughs> six really good restaurants, six incredible you know, restaurants there. You know what's amazing? Like it, it, Melbourne and Sydney would both be in, I think, the top eight biggest cities in the U.S. How many people seriously? Uh, so Melbourne's about five million. You're right. And uh, no, you're right. Yeah. So the U.S. has a lot of small cities that are between five hundred thousand and a million. They don't actually New York don't is the biggest many, with eight and a half million. Yeah, they don't have that many big metropolises. See, Chef, and this is a learning curve for you. This is a hot to hang out. You could learn on this episode. <laughs> this is the best episode best ever. Best episode ever. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Amy, favorite food city in the world. I actually have to go with Nashville. I'm a I'm number one Nashville fan. Oh, Nashville. Yeah. yeah, Nashville. I got to tell you, I got a lot of really great New York restaurants opening there. It's such a hot market there. I so. agree. Nick, favorite place to travel? 
If he says Hava, Australia again. Hava, Croatia is my favourite place. It's in the Dalmatian coast. See, Shotzi, you're probably not familiar with oh, Dalmatian so coast either. No, definitely um, not. I, I know Dalmatian the dog, I think. Yeah. I've seen <laughs> that. It's to do with what the, no, it's... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's one for the bucket list. That's for sure. Yeah, no, I have to go. I, I got to tell you, I think I saw a lot of Croatian Game of Thrones. I think, but I got to get there. Amy, same question. Uh, Athens, Santorini, that area. I can't go wrong with Greece. Yeah. That I know. Greece, I know. All right, here we go. This is where this is what gets always gets interesting. Nick, if you were to challenge Jimmy Rye to a game of beer pong, who do you have better odds of beating? I think Jimmy, actually. Really? Yeah. I don't, I don't know why. Jimmy's so sad right now. Yeah. Well, I'm not sad. Nick is wrong, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sad. Have I'm you ever sad. seen Jimmy play beer pong? No, I haven't. Same question. I don't know. I think we need to play to, to find yes. that out. So. Right, we got to go we, after we dinner tonight. There's a couple of beer pong yeah, places should, here in the city. You know what? Maybe they should cancel the reservation Dante's. We'll take them to the uh, to Spin. The spin we'll still open? The is this, is this episode sponsored by Spin? Could be spin. Call us. Call All right, me. Uh, great, great, great. Uh, uh, quick fire. Awesome answers. Jimbo, take us home. These guys got to get out of here. They're yes. opening stores. They're signing leases. They're making coffee. Let's get them out of here. Yes, yes, yes. Nick and Amy, we want to thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today and for sharing all your insights. First and last time. And we know we, we really, we appreciate what you guys are doing. And you guys do have a really cool and sexy brand. Can I ask one more question? Please. Sure. What's on the pipeline for 23? And you oh, asked about real estate. Do you guys have a lot of stores in the pipeline to open up in 23? Yeah. We, well, I think we're still in the pipeline right now. We probably have 12 locations uh, that we've signed or close to signing. But I think it's that decision that we're still debating is like whether we get on the front foot and sign more. Or we just pause and see what happens. Um, we signed some of our best ever leases in 2020 and 2021, we leaned in, took more risk. And I feel that that's going to happen again, maybe to not the sort of the gravity of, of shock that went through the industry, but there's, there's definitely stress out there. And, uh, and we picked that up from uh, the RFDC conference that there just wasn't as much confidence and there was a lot of people that seemed a little bit tired, honestly, and that will pose good opportunities. There were a lot of old so. people there. You know, uh, so yeah, I think it's it's know, been tough. Like look, Debbie Downers over there, you know. Look at no, look I'm at the backdrop. Yeah, so. finance guys in suits, scaring me. <laughs> oh, They're wearing ties and jackets, Jimmy. So good. They look so good. That scared me. Oh. Hey, don't be scared by them, Nick. They don't know what's going on. All right, listen, <laughs> All right, anyway, <laughs> thank you for that. If answer. you want to get in touch with Nick and Amy uh, directly, you can't do that, but you can email the podcast team at podcast at brandedstrategic.com. What about if they want to order coffee or food? What is it? Bluestonelane.com? Bluestonelane.com. Bluestonelane. Bluestonelane. the app. If you put in code Nick slash Amy, 50 off. Coupon code. Yes. Nick, and, and, I know Nick. And you should and you put get in Chats his credit card. I'll give you the number. Okay, it's 555. Five, 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 I know five. Amy in the in the coupon code. You get 50 off. 50 off. Okay. Thank you for that. And to our listeners, we want to thank you so much. We wouldn't be able to be well into and concluding season eight without your continued support. And we appreciate we know still looking are, for a sponsor. We know there are literally hundreds of thousands of uh, a podcast out there. The fact that you guys continue to work and subscribe and grow our subscriber base is something we appreciate. I think Please we're more amazed us. by it, Jimmy. Is that? I think we're more amazed by it. We're amazed by it? Okay. Yeah. Listen, join us next week as we welcome our friend, Mr. R.J. Melman from Let Us Entertain You. 
I tell you, you can't throw a stick in Chicago. Why would anyone throw a stick in Chicago? I don't know. People are throwing a lot of things in Chicago. R.J. Melman, let us entertain. I I love that ABBA concept, ABBA, ABBA, whatever. I mean, they're opening all over. I love that Mediterranean concept. Won't want to miss it. Let us entertain your crush in Chicago. To Nick and Amy, with appreciation, we want to thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. Thank you for the treats. We look forward to them. And uh, this is Jimmy Frisching, your finance guy, signing off and passing it to my boy Shatsy to close us out. Hey, thanks, everybody. This is Shatsy, a.k.a. Restaurant Guy, signing off from the Hospitality Hangout. Thank you to our guests. Thanks, everybody. Ciao. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Uh, ciao. Nice. I never say ciao. It was weird. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>